0: Hi, welcome to uh, Lit with Lloyd. Perhaps not surprisingly, I'm Lloyd. And today we are happy to welcome Christina Britton, who has written a whole bunch of historical romance. (laughs) So let's uh, let's find out some details. Welcome. And thank you for coming today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Sure.
0: All right. So let's get right to it. Why did you pick romance and especially historical romances?
1: Ever since I was a kid, like little, I was always um really focused on the romance of like the movies that I would watch. So like when I was when I was a kid, I would watch um, you know, Robin Hood, the uh, animated cartoon, but I was really hyper focused on Robin Hood and Marion, made Marion, <laughs> right? So everything that I consumed, even from a young age, had to have romance in it. And then when I was <laughs> 13, I found spicy (laughs) romance, which as a mother is terrifying. But at 13, I walked into a Walden books. Um, I, I just went and I looked down the aisle. I saw this book just caught my eye and it was like, bam. Right. So I bought it. I read it in one night and, and that was it. It was a historical romance and I was just, that was it. I just had to have, I had to consume everyone I found.
0: And how long between that realization and the time you started writing them uh, did did take place? A year. <laughs> a year. I
1: was 14
0: uh, when I wanted to start. Oh, my gosh. And so did you actually write anything that, that you finished no. at 14? <laughs> no. <laughs> no,
1: it was a lot of disjointed scenes, like just whatever <laughs> would be like in my head at the time. I'd be like, oh, this sounds really dramatic and romantic. So I just write it down really quick. And yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. So when did you actually start writing them to, to completion?
1: I was, oh gosh, probably late teens, early twenties, when I really started to focus on one story and, and actually completed it in my early twenties. And then I put it down and then I didn't do anything with it. I just put it down and I started to pick up art because I was also an artist so I started to really focus on painting and then I had kids and then everything kind of got buried under
0: motherhood (laughs) so how long ago did you actually start uh, writing again after that first one
1: Uh, when my youngest started uh, pre-k when she started school then I was like well I can either be a, a children's book illustrator which I was kind of really rooting for or I could become uh, go back to my writing again and write romance novels and try to get published. And <laughs> so I found this letter from my grandfather at that time and he had already been passed for several years. And he wrote in there that I can't wait to see your books in the stores. I know that you're going you're going to succeed. And in that moment it was just like instantaneous, you know. Wow. I I just picked up a story that I had finished in my early 20s. I went back to it, revised it, and then it just went off from
0: there. So your inspiration was really your grandfather and and his letter. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. And he didn't give it to you before he passed away?
1: He did, but it was like years before. It was years before and I had just stuck it in a drawer and I had forgotten about it. And I just happened to find it again in that moment when I was going through the drawer wow it was uh yeah very special that is
0: so cool uh how many years has it been since your youngest was in pre-k
1: it's been probably about seven or eight years now
0: okay yeah and how many books have you written we'll get to the publishing in (laughs) completion yeah how many are not in a drawer (laughs) oh not in a drawer
1: (laughs) there have probably been about a dozen or more books that i've completed and I have seven published now. So there's like five out there that are probably never going to see the light of day. <laughs> and why won't they? I don't know. They're I, they're not as good as what I'm right now. I've learned a lot over the yeah. years. I hope. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 I mean, it makes sense that you get better as you write more. But yeah. But I mean, I, I think there are a lot of authors that you know, put put stuff away yeah. and then brought them back out after they gained some kind of success.
1: I might. There are a couple in there that I would love to see published that I'm really attached to. So I'd, I'd love to one day
0: see those come out. <laughs> <laughs> well, so would all of us. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, OK, so you've written roughly one a year. Go back to the beginning and tell us how you got published.
1: Uh, well, I finished the story Uh, revising the story that had started in my early 20s and i decided i was going to start um, trying to find an agent so i started sending out um you know uh, emails to agents and everything trying to find an agent who would who would represent me because it was really um important to me to become traditionally published just for me personally Uh um because self-publishing I have mad respect for people who (laughs) self-publish. It is hard. And I knew at that point that I I was in no way ready to be able to self-publish. It was terrifying to me. (laughs) But I really, really wanted to be traditionally published. I wanted to see my books in stores. Um, So I knew I wanted to get an agent to do that. So I started sending out emails to agents and trying to find representation, which I eventually did. Um, how long did it take? Like six months to a year, I think. I think I had 26 rejections before I finally found her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gene Owl was, was 76, I think, or 72, you know, clan of the cave bear. So (laughs) I I think it seems like most authors have had a certain amount of rejections. Yes. So uh, you obviously just decided you were going to stick to it and not give it up. Yeah. that's fantastic all right so you got the agent then what did your agent do
1: uh first we got um involved with Sam Hain. i think i'm pronouncing that right and they signed me for a contract but then that they went out of business Mm. so i got the rights back which was devastating i almost wanted to give up um, because i was so close Mm -hmm. but then um, we found uh, diversion books who published my first series and um, then they went out of business (laughs) And then I was really, really blessed to um, to have started this Isle of S- my new Isle of Sin series, and uh, Grand Central Forever. They wound up picking it up, which was a huge dream, just incredible. And I'm still with them right now.
0: Okay. And so was that was that books four through seven?
1: Four through actually, yeah, four through seven, because the seventh book was a novella that was just published this Christmas. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the first three, did you get the rights back? I assume the very
1: first three, I have the rights back, and I actually just self-published them, which is how I know how difficult It's Oh my God, to you're kidding! It's, it's been kind of um, hellish, but
0: <laughs> so but they're out there.
1: They are out there. Yeah, they're out there now.
0: Now, what I've heard from authors is that there's it's it's kind of a balance between a much higher profit structure per book uh-huh. versus much less exposure. Yes. So I assume that that's the case. Absolutely. In your situation. Yeah. Why did you not take books one through three and give them to your current publisher?
1: I don't know. I just <laughs> kind of I like the idea of having them in my hands again. Huh. You know, just uh, having the covers made and and dipping my toes into that was just I really wanted to experience that, and um, it's been a really cool,
0: stressful experience. <laughs> and I'm good now. <laughs> okay. So did you, uh, your, your three books that you self-published, mm-hmm. you obviously picked the cover art. Mm-hmm. Did you, do, have you, do you have a, a, a narrator? And if, no. no, no. And did, did you have, are, are any of the other four, are they um, audio books?
1: Uh, a Good Duke is Hard to Find is actually an audiobook. Yeah. And I listened to part of it and it was it was weird (laughs) it was like (laughs) it was amazing hearing somebody with a you know with a british accent because they're set in britain Uh, read my book out loud and it was like wow this sounds like a real book (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it it i didn't have any um you know decision making but they picked an amazing amazing
0: narrator i guess that's just the luck of the draw yes oftentimes (laughs) Uh, oh, that's great. So will, will, will they also uh, turn the other books into audiobooks at some point?
1: I'm not sure. Right now that there's no plan. Um, Hadgett hasn't um, planned to do that yet, but um, hopefully one day. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. So tell us about about the groupings of your books. You've got, you've got several different series. Yes. And tell us why you basically did three books, I guess, and then mm-hmm. Went to another series. So yeah. how, how did all that happen?
1: Yeah, I, I love um, intertwined stories. Um, <clears throat> I know Bridgerton is really big right now. and Indeed. Yeah, and that's the time period. That's the type of book uh, that I write. I love Julia Quinn's writing. And it's kind of the same thing. You'll see season one had to do with the Duke and Daphne, with Simon and Daphne. And then you have the second book, which has to do with Anthony and Kate. And um, so you see that they're all kind of intertwined and you get to see the uh, the couples from previous stories come into the new ones. So you kind of <clears throat> get to revisit. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I like to do. So uh, with the Twice Twice Shy series, which was my debut series, um, the couples, they kind of come in and out of each other's books, which is a lot of fun to get that you know outside view of them. And it's the same with the, the Isle of Sin series. Um, you'll see all the characters come in and out of each other's books. And and I love, that's my favorite scenes to write, are the, the scenes where all the characters come back in. And it's just like chaotic and fun and really lively. And, and I love writing those scenes, so.
0: That's very cool. Uh, but you're doing just three books at a time, and then you, yeah, what made you decide to stop at three?
1: Um. I don't know. That was just like a number I came at. I never (laughs) even thought about it. (laughs) But now, actually, this series, the Isle of Sin series, is kind of continuing on, which is fun. Um, There's a bunch of extra characters in the final book, A Duke Worth Fighting For, um, that wind up becoming heroines in the next three books, uh, which is really fun. So the new series is called The Sinful Spinster Series. So kind of continues on the Isle of Sin uh-huh. experience and all that stuff. Yeah.
0: That's great. Thank you. So so when you said the same time period, is that like the 1820s?
1: Yeah, early 1800s. Okay. Right, right after um, the Napoleonic Wars. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And and is that is that the Regency period? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It seems like that, not only you and Julia Quinn, but it seems like a lot of the historical romance take place in That time period. Yes. Why?
1: There's something really kind of elegant, but also kind of naughty about it. Does (laughs) that make sense? There's (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, you get into the Victorian era, which is beautiful. And you have these gorgeous gowns and these elegant manners. But it was a very, I think because of Queen Victoria, she had very strict rules, Uh... kind of uh, very proper and everything, Um, in in my opinion, you know. Um, I can't speak for anybody else because I know some amazing authors who who write Victorians, and they are out of this world incredible. Um, but I really, really loved the 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 slight naughtiness and the, you know, they have these gorgeous dresses that are very um, free flowing. There's not a lot of corsetry or you know hoops or stays or anything like that, um, and it's just very elegant. I love that about it. Yeah, <laughs> elegant and fun. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. You've now written, you, you've got um, a book coming out later this year? Yes, I do. And that's in the new series? Yes. And that's book?
1: This will be, I guess, book four? It'll be book one in the new series, book four in the Isle of Sin series. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, because it kind of goes along and takes the characters from the Isle of Sin series, which is fun. And that book will be called... Um, Some Dukes have all the luck. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, And that'll come out roughly when?
1: Around November.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and you said you did a novella. Yes. So you did three full novels and then a novella. Yes. And what prompted you to do a novella? (laughs) Uh,
1: I'm actually um, an admin of a group on Facebook called The Drawing Room. And we had kind of decided maybe we'll do an anthology. And so I started writing for that. And then that kind of um didn't work out and then all of a sudden i got uh an email about from from Grand Central about doing a a novella for them for an anthology i was like well yeah <laughs> <laughs> of course i will <laughs> so uh yeah so i finished writing that for them and it was so much fun i'd never written a novella
0: before Was it hard after it, writing full novels? It kind
1: of is because you have to <laughs> You have to condense all the specific beats for a romance novel into the you know. It has to have the same beats, but it's shorter. So you have to make yeah. sure that everything yeah. hits. But but you know, I'm I'm a writer. I like write. I mean, I write a lot. <laughs> okay, <laughs> my first book wound up like 120 thousand words, which I had to cut down to 100 thousand. I write a lot. I'm wordy. <laughs> so it was, it was, but it was fun. It was so much fun. I loved writing it. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. We're going to take a very short break and then we'll be right back. Thank
1: you to the Los Gatos Community Foundation for their continued support of KCAT Public Media because of groups like the Los Gatos Community Foundation, KCAT has been able to inspire, educate, entertain, and inform our community through the magic of television and digital media for over 38 years. Thank you.
0: And we are back. Uh, So we are talking with Christina Britton, uh, author of a whole bunch of historical romances and uh, uh, the, the next question I have for you is <laughs> how do you do research about romance in the 1820s? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, that's the thing about, um, readers who are into Regency is they are very particular. You don't want to get details wrong. So, um, yeah, you have to do a lot of research. I read a lot of Regency before I started really writing it. Um, So there was a lot of learning through that. And then, you know, taking classes and going online and getting books from the library, just making sure that you get everything spot on or as spot on as you
0: possibly can, yeah. Have you taken writing classes? Have have you done any kind of formal writing classes with instructors?
1: I only took one class in um, college, other than that, it was just it's just been classes online, um, or I would go to conferences, writing conferences, and I would just take like single classes here and there, but it was nothing like formal.
0: Yeah, you just obviously have a gift for it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you see yourself in the near future or at any time in the future uh, doing any kind of of a different genre? either modern day romances or something else entirely
1: there is one story that kind of knocks around in my brain every now and then and every now and then it'll just kind of come up to the front of my head and be like hey remember me <laughs> <You know? laughs> and i'll think about it and i'll be like okay one day i will get to you <laughs> <laughs> um i don't think in modern terms, very often, like <laughs> I don't know, I just feel awkward in <laughs> in writing contemporary. But um, everything always goes back to historicals. But um, I think one day I'll probably dip my toes in and, and and get that book out in the world. I would love to. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. You know, it, it, when when you have such a passion for a particular genre and time period. Mm-hmm. I could see where it'd be very difficult to go away from that.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: but there might be a time, you know, a, a book or eight down the road where, you know, maybe it's feeling a little bit like you just need to to stretch out a bit. You yeah. know, so who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Have you had any interest at all from TV or movie studios? No. Okay. <laughs> no,
1: that would be amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah. I would. I'm wondering, and I'm, I hadn't thought about this before, but I'm wondering if the Bridgerton series has kind of brought that more to the attention of TV studios or movie studios. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Bridgerton series has been very successful.
1: Yes, I'm um, so excited about that. Yeah. I was
0: working at Recycle Bookstore in Campbell, and when that series was going. We could not keep all of those books in stock.
1: That's so great. I mean, and we we had
0: all of them. And there's a ton of them.
1: There's eight, I believe, in the Bridgerton series. Yeah. 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 Each sibling gets their own story. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I mean, I, I don't know why Sin can't replace Bridgerton, but you know, that's obviously not for me to say.
1: <laughs> that would that would be nice to have Sin out there too. I would yeah. like to see that. And there's a lot of amazing books that I would love to see. Um, there's Spindle Cove series by Tessa Dare. And then um, Alyssa Cole has an amazing series set uh, during the American Civil War, which would be incredible to see. Um, there's just so many amazing series. And I'm hoping that Bridgerton opens the door for all yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it seems like it's, it's a there's a good possibility. In fact, I'm a little surprised that maybe Amazon Prime or Hulu You know, haven't picked up on that since they know how successful Bridgerton was for Netflix. That would be
1: wonderful. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right, let's do a little bit about the mechanics. Mm -hmm. You've got two kids that are obviously in school. Yeah. Not recently, but now maybe. Um, Do you write while they're they're gone? What? How's your writing schedule come about?
1: Yeah, Um, like you know, during the beginning of the pandemic, it was. You know, everybody was home. They were having their classes at home and and all that, um, which made it a little difficult. But uh, we had two sheds out in the backyard. And the smaller one, we decided one day to turn it into a writing shed. So we went in there and we cleared it out. We painted it up and put shelves in. And I love it so much. (laughs) It's like my little haven. So I go out there all the time and just write and they you know my family is incredible they always make sure that i have the time and the space that Mm. i need to write there's they're they're beyond supportive they are like my biggest cheerleaders wow yeah that's fantastic yeah i'm very blessed with them
0: yeah 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 (laughs) that's great uh so at the time you were 13 Oh my goodness (laughs) were you were you already reading were there also already authors that were motivating you to become more literary in any way I mean who were your inspirations besides your grandfather
1: um as far as I would read like everything I could get my hands on I was 11 years old when I read Stephen King I was 10 years old when I read the Amityville Horror Ah. (laughs) so I started off a lot with horror novels I can't believe I was 10 reading Amityville horror Whoa. or, you know, so uh, I would just go in. I was so passionate about books. I would go into the bookstore and I would just roam the shelves and just look for a book that caught my eye and pick it up. And it didn't matter what genre it was. It didn't matter how adult it was. I would just grab it and buy it and read it. And, um, yeah. So from a very young age, I was reading very adult.
0: Books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do your husband and children like to read?
1: Uh, My daughter, she does. She loves to read so much. And she's actually getting into um, historical romance now, too. Uh. Not the spicy stuff, because I think we could put that off for a little while longer. Uh. But I have gotten her into um, some Regency, historical Regency romance, uh, like YAs. Uh, There's one that... Sarah McLean did called the season so she's reading that right now she's reading Aaron Aaron Knightley who does amazingly beautiful regencies um yeah so but she'll read anything she's really into manga she's really into <laughs> fantasy she's into everything she's just voracious yeah uh,
0: what i've discovered is you know with three adult children mm-hmm. and five grandchildren that there everybody makes their own decision and it doesn't matter whether your parents are reading or your grandparents or your cousins they either want to read or they don't exactly and it can change from childhood to adulthood mm-hmm. uh, so it, it you almost have to be on purpose if you want to read and if people say they don't have time it just means that they're prioritizing other things instead yeah. which is perfectly fine mm-hmm. uh, because I also enjoy reading a lot. <laughs> uh, okay so you you got your writing schedule. Your family is, is so supportive, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, do you take breaks? Do you, <laughs> do you say, I'm going to take a week off? I mean, does can, can an author even do that?
1: <laughs> you know, I, I when I finish something, I do try to take some time off. <laughs> I had um edits come back for the the late the next book, um, Sun Dukes Have All the Luck. And it was it was brutal. It was a brutal edit. So when I finally got it back to my editor, I was just like, ah, and I could breathe and I took some time and I watched some television and but then I was like, nope. Back to work. <laughs> so it will only last for a couple days. <laughs> I, can't, I can't put it aside that long. And even when I'm taking a break and I'll be watching, you know, a, a rom- rom- rom-com or something on TV, my brain's working like, oh, that's a really good trope. I like that. You know, maybe this could work. Oh, you know, so it's constantly, the gears are
0: turning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Grand Central Publishing has the book that's coming out in November. Yes. What will happen after that? I mean, uh, uh, will you just automatically give them the first shot at the next one? Absolutely. So you won't even look elsewhere unless for some reason they said, look elsewhere.
1: Yeah, contractually, yeah, they get first look, which I'm more than happy to. I love working with them. They're amazing. Yeah.
0: And have you had the same editor the whole time too? I
1: have, which is such a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. She's incredible. And she's, she's so talented and she really knows how to push me. To get the best out of the characters which i love i love to have that that push you know that little bit of uncomfortableness where you're like oh you know so frustrating you know why do i have to do this but then i know that she's just doing everything she can to make this book as good as she can and i love it i love being being pushed by her (laughs) yeah
0: that's really great uh it, it seems like a lot of authors will go oftentimes through a, a series of publishers. Uh, where is grand central publishing located?
1: They're located in New York and I actually got to visit the offices before. Yeah. Before, um, you know, the pandemic and everything, I went to New York city for, um, the RWA conference and I was able to go to the hatchet offices, for a cocktail party. And it was the most amazing experience I have ever had. It was so incredible.
0: Are they part of Hatchet? Yes. Ah, so you're actually you're you're one of the big five. Mm-hmm. Oh, how cool. Yeah. I, I didn't really <laughs> I heard the name, but I didn't really know if that was uh, an independent uh, publisher or not. Oh, that's so cool.
1: I feel very, very blessed with that. Yeah, yeah. they're they're amazing to work for. Yeah.
0: OK, newsflash. If the books weren't good, <laughs> they wouldn't be taking them, oh, no matter how you. much they like you personally. <laughs> so obviously it's doing well. Uh, and do you get sales numbers? I'm not going to ask specifics, but yes. do, does each book in the series tend to get a little bit more or is it pretty consistent?
1: It, I've seen up and down, but it's pretty consistent. Yeah, I'm really, really happy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, has prior to the pandemic, of course, Did they send you on any book tours? No, mm -mm. none of that. No,
1: that because my first book with them didn't come out until after the pandemic started,
0: which was really
1: just a bummer. Uh, Yeah. So nothing like that.
0: (laughs) Do you think that that once this is all done, because of course it should happen and it should end any day Uh (laughs) uh, that will they will they send you on any kind of tour or will you do any kind of local bookstores? I'd
1: love to do local bookstores I'm not, I'm not sure that a tour is in the cards but i would love to do local bookstores
0: and would you have to do that yourself do you have a publicist would grand central do the the, the legwork for you how would that work do oh, you think
1: they would absolutely help uh the publicists at grand central are a dream they're mm-hmm. so amazing um yeah i love working with them and they are so smart so and passionate super passionate about books so i'm pretty sure that they would help out with that yeah
0: (laughs) and do you already know have a rough idea what you're going to do for 2023
1: as far as books yeah
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: (laughs) no there will be more with the sinful spinster series coming out which i'm really excited about yeah i love i love the isle of sin which is a fictitious you know english regency seaside resort that I kind of created from my imagination, so uh, I really love that I'm able to have more books there. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay.
0: So my last question is: Will you keep us posted on developments so that we can put the word out?
1: Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm
0: already going to sign up for the drawing room on Facebook.
1: Oh yay! <laughs> and I have I have my own um, readers group too on Facebook as well called Wallflowers in Bloom. Yeah.
0: All right. I will definitely get on that.
1: We would love to have you as a wallflower.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Those things don't usually go in the same sentence. (laughs) Just just so you know. I (laughs) know. Okay. All right. So before we sign off, we're going to do a little bit of trivia. Um, And I got some good stuff this time. I mean, I think all of it's good, but this is some pretty good stuff. The top 10 best best-selling novels of all time have collectively sold 1.56 billion copies. Number one is Don Quixote, which I've already told you that that sold 500 million. Number 10 is The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown has sold 80 million copies. And if you want to know two through nine, you'll have to keep listening to the podcast. (laughs) All right, here's a good one. Nobody knows this uh, that I can imagine. The word bibliosmia, Anybody ever heard of that? Bibliosmia. It's the act of smelling books. (laughs) And there are actually perfumes on the market that smell like books. (laughs) I don't make this stuff up. I swear it. Okay, one more. And I'm just going to read it because it's kind of long. Beatrix Potter's most famous work, Peter Rabbit, was rejected a whopping six times by publishers. Potter ended up printing 250 copies herself and distributing them to family and friends. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was among that group and bought one for his children. When those sold out, she printed 200 more. In 1902, she was finally able to get it published with a traditional publisher. And since then, Peter Rabbit has sold 45 million copies and been translated into 36 languages. That's amazing. It's 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 a, it's unbelievable how many stories like this there are for for such famous authors. And a lot of times I'll read about authors um, like F. Scott Fitzgerald, you know, the great Gatsby. You know, they were not really popular until he had passed away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, you know, they call the, the great Gatsby uh, the great American noveler. so anyway. All right. So that's it on the trivia. Um, Christina, it was just a pleasure to have you on.
1: Thank and
0: you. Uh, uh, hopefully, we'll be able to keep following you and finding out uh, uh, how many more books of sin you have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, the territory said, yeah. Sin, yeah. Uh, thank you again. And thank you to KCAT. You guys are fantastic. We love you and we love doing the podcast here. Signing off. See you next time.
1: You just heard Lit with Lloyd here on KCAT Radio. Explore all our KCAT original programming at kcat.org slash radio.